Panama Fine Food is cooking up a storm with gourmet guide Jenny Handley. A dash of the delicious. Welcome to FMR Fine Food, the show that guides you to what's new, local and delicious on the Cape culinary landscape. I'm Jenny Handley, editor of the Gourmet Guide online magazine. Fine food needs fine wine, so today I'm chatting to winemaker Kevin Grant of Ataraxia. Welcome to the show, Kevin. Thank you, Jenny, and hello to all the listeners. Lovely to have you on the show, and we're going to start by asking, what does ataraxia mean? Well, I mean, on, on first hearing, it's, it's a pretty strange word, uh, but it is Greek-derived. Uh, it is an official English word, which I found uh, in the Collins Pocket Dictionary, not that I was specifically looking for the word, but it means uh, in its most basic uh, form, I would imagine, something like a serene state of mind, free from worry and preoccupation. And it was a word that captured my imagination, because as we were looking to start off the brand uh, in 2004, uh, what I loved most about the meaning and the connotations of the word was that it was so much more about what wine does for people as opposed to what it does to people. You know, we, we know what wine does to, to someone. You, know, you imbibe too much, drink too much, you have an almighty headache the next day uh, or, or worse. But, you know, what it does for us is a completely different thing. It adds value to our lives. It, it gives context. So Ataraxia just seemed to be a great, um, a great name to attach to the brand, and, and that's just how we got to it. And it's also a perfect description for the Himalayan Arda Valley, which, in addition to its cool climate, I'm sure offers you other beauties for making your wine. So what do you attribute your success to with your Pinot Noir and Chardonnays? Well, I mean, I've just completed my 31st year of making wine. Wow. And, uh, and more than ever, I'm romanced by the whole, the whole thing of, of what we do. But also, I've now come to realize with ever firmer conviction that, in fact, we on this side of the wine bottle should perhaps reconsider uh, calling ourselves winemakers or viticulturists or vignerons if we wanted to be particularly grand. In fact, I consider myself to be none of the above, but uh, have realized that, in fact, a more accurate title for what we do is that of soil farmer. We are soil farmers. Uh, soil is such a critical and vital part of determining the style of a wine and can often drive through things like variations in climate, warm or cold, etc., uh, etc. Et so, you know, I've come to realize that every decision that I make in the vineyard and every decision I make in the cellar uh, is now driven from an intimate understanding of our soils, our, our dirt. And so we've kind of, I've evolved in my way of thinking about creating wine or crafting wine as, in fact, trying to translate our soil into a bottle. Um, that whole concept of terroir and that, you know, that French word that encapsulates uh, everything from soil to climatic conditions aspect, all the geography of it. So, you know, our proximity in the human order to the Atlantic Ocean is, is key and vital to determining a, a, a path of stylistic expression, if you will. But for me, it's so much in more than just that, it's the soils that really do it. And so in essence, I'm not making a Chardonnay or a Pinot Noir. You know, they, they are vehicles. And of course, I love the fact that they are vehicles for it, but they are vehicles to express our dirt. Uh, it's, quite, it's quite sobering to think that, you know, on the entire planet, nobody else has our exact location, our combination of soils, slopes, aspects, 
so on. So it's, it's very unique. And so if I can offer that to the world as an expression of a place, a GPS coordinate, if you like, or a space, uh, it's a very unique thing. And it's also a very generous act uh, of, of sharing something very precise and something uh, very specific with somebody else. So, you know, it's, it's our whole, my whole winemaking has evolved to, to trying to understand soils and express soils like that. Well, you are doing it beautifully and you've described it so aptly too. When I came to the wine lounge recently, I was fascinated by your black Chardonnay and I'd love to know more about it. Uh, well, yeah, so black Chardonnay is a rather evocative um, sort of word and a description for a Chardonnay that's made in a, a fairly, it's not an ancient tradition, it's just more, it's just an, an oldish tradition of making wine that was done in Burgundy where they did not have a hundred years ago uh, access to the reductive winemaking, let's call it that. That's in other words, preventing wine and its juice before it becomes wine from getting excessive contact with the air, which can change it. Certainly, reductive winemaking preserves the fruit expression of a wine, the final wine. But, you know, in a way, we're trying to accurately and authentically express the soul of our terroir. Um, And, you know, this whole concept of uh, black Chardonnay is one where, you know, in, in a world intent on preserving just about everything that is uh, in, in wine through this reductive winemaking, this method does precisely the opposite. In fact, it's, it, it's a method that exposes and almost bludgeons uh, grapes and juice uh, in the early stages. So where we're not protecting, we're exposing, where we're vigorously working the fruit as we prepare it for press, if it should be pressed. And as we work the press, we do extra turns and revolutions on the press. Just trying to essentially, I suppose, mash up and smash up the grapes. It sounds awful, but you know, and it is almost an act of violence against the grapes. But and the, and the juice itself is pumped over, and it turns this ebony colour. And this is where the whole black connotation comes from. But then, you know, almost by black magic through the fermentation process, that all disappears. And, you know, what emerges from that that process is a wine that has got, you know, almost this arrestingly beautiful green-tinged uh, flax and hue to it. And what we've done in that process is we've gone and uh, exposed the phenols, which are definitely part of, uh, integral part of uh, wine, both red and white. You find more phenols in red wines, but you do definitely find them also in white wines. And the unstable phenols, if you protect them through a reductive winemaking process, actually um, then has the tendency to turn prematurely uh, yellow in the bottle or age prematurely, especially if it's exposed to uh, excessive oxygen. So what we've done with this process is actually oxidized all the unstable phenols in the juice form, so that's not a factor in uh, in a black chardonnay as it ages. And so we find black chardonnays can age, you know, beautifully. They have this kind of sort of almost a, a interesting grippy feel to the finish, uh, and that's part of of black chardonnay. But as it ages, you know, it becomes seemingly more complex, more interesting, uh, and you know, all the benefits of uh, wine that can age with a plum, it all happens. And so you get so much more bang for your buck, essentially, with a Chardonnay in this black method. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, you've made it sound so fascinating. That was Kevin Grant of Ataraxia. For mouth-watering recipes, visit gourmetguide.co.za. Yours to enjoy, print and share. Happy drinking.
FMR Fine Food was cooking up a storm with gourmet guide Jenny Handley. A dash of the delicious. Yeah.